Hey, it's Dave. So it's Sunday afternoon. Wanted to do a live stream、uh, today because there is a ton of news and real-time、uh, drama and info going on. So the biggest news we know about is that OpenAI fired Sam Altman, their CEO, on Friday. Now they're thinking of reinstating him, and the board. Having to resign, it's a complete mess. In this video, I'll kind of give the breakdown, share my opinions, but more importantly, what the significance of all this means.、Um, yesterday, I came back from the Starlink,、uh, our Starship launch、um, at Boca Chica. It was amazing,、um, and maybe I'll get a, a chance to share a bit more. I shared a quick video of my kids enjoying the launch.、Um, it was such a cool experience to see Starship in person, just like launch and. It's so different than the than, than a video, right, or photos, because you get the sound and the feel, and and visually, it's like you're you feel so much closer to it, and the people all around.、Um, amazing experience.、Um, we'll go ahead and talk a little a little bit about X AI, Elon's new company, and、um, I guess X、uh, people who own X or Twitter, formerly Twitter, is gonna, are going to get twenty five percent of his new company as well,、um, and. Throughout this whole thing, we'll be talking about AI and also Tesla's humanoid robot and how this has to play the role it has to play with a lot of these news pieces as well. So at the end, I'll go ahead and I'll open up for questions、um, because there are some really、uh, fun and interesting topics、um, today. So let's go ahead and、um, let's first hit <clears throat> OpenAI and what's going on here. So we know that Sam Altman was fired by the board on Friday, and now there's a lot of pressure on the board to reinstate him. But not just that; there's pressure for the board to resign,、um, and Sam Altman is demanding that the board resign before he gets reinstated.、Um, here,、uh, Microsoft CEO is leading the charge now on negotiations.、Um, this is yeah, it's a tricky thing because you know OpenAI supposedly. You know, it's a a capped for-profit structure. It has a non-profit section. So I'll I'll go over a little bit of this、uh, OpenAI structure here. So you have the board of directors.、Um, the board of directors was only six people. It was Sam Altman, Greg Brockman, which who, he was the president and uh, uh, chairman, and they had four others. The most notable was Ilya,、uh, the chief scientist in OpenAI. Now, this whole thing was pretty much a, a tension or battle between Sam Altman and Ilya, and、um, the board basically、uh, fired Sam Altman, but also kicked Greg Brockman off the board,、um, who is the chairman.、Um, the board controls a five hundred one c three public charity, which owns a holding company,、um, which owns OpenAI, a capped for. Profit company, which Microsoft has invested, I think, about thirteen billion dollars in. So this is a really complex、uh, structure here, and、um, this is one of the big problems with OpenAI. Is it's, it's kind of confusing.、Um, who runs the show? What's the purpose? Is it profit for profit? You know, who's in control, etc.?、Um, here's a new article that just came out today, and basically. Sam Altman and Greg Brockman are now at OpenAI headquarters, and they're basically negotiating, right? And you've 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 got this um uh big kind of tension and battle going on. Sam and Greg want to come back, but they don't want to come back with the old board in place. They want a new board, but the new board or the, the old board doesn't want just anybody. They want to pick handpick the the new board so that they can be assured that OpenAI is in the right hands. Um, <clears throat> here you go. You have a picture. Sam Altman just tweeted、um, him wearing a guest pass at OpenAI. So here's the former CEO, board member of OpenAI,、uh, 
um, was fired on Friday. Today he has to have a guest pass. He says this is the first and last time I'm ever, ever going to wear one of these right guest passes. We'll see. Um, a lot of uh, this is in flux right now. We don't know for sure um, if Sam Altman is coming back. But my hunch is he probably will come back. Um, him and Greg Brockman will be firmer in control. There will be a new board. And this board will be approved by the old board, but um, will be less, I guess, um, in contention, right, with Sam and Greg. Um, one of the, the things I think w was intention between Sam Altman and the board was Sam's ambitious plans um, within OpenAI, but also outside of OpenAI. So here's a Bloomberg kind of clip, and it says that Sam Altman has been looking to raise tens of billions of dollars from, from Middle Eastern sovereign wealth funds to create an AI chip startup to compete against NVIDIA. So yeah, Sam Altman, one of his things is he goes in big and he goes in hard and he is fast. He's one of the most um, ag aggressive, ambitious uh, founders I've seen. And so for him, opening eye is, is just not enough. It seems like he's willing to go head on to create a whole nother startup, right, for AI hardware. And then on top of that, he was courting SoftBank, which is the biggest um, VC fund, right, in Asia for a multi-billion dollar investment in a new company to make AI-oriented hardware. So um, it seems like perhaps this wasn't a new company. There's mixed reports. It could have been something that um, is was going to be done under OpenAI, kind of a new consumer AI device. Um, in, and it could be designed by actually Johnny I, the former Apple designer. Now, what's interesting about this is what kind of consumer devices can you think of? I mean, you could think of a smartphone, right? But um, And you could think of something smaller than a smartphone, but that's not going to have a lot of compute power. So um, you're looking at all of these devices as being more of an extension or kind of API connected, right, devices. Unless you get into a bigger device that has compute power, local inference power to run neural nets on device, which could be a smartphone, but smartphones aren't gonna run the biggest right, neural nets right now. So it could be something bigger. So if it's smaller, you're looking at an API kind of connected device, I don't know if you need billions and billions of dollars for that type of device. If it's gonna be bigger um, than a smartphone with more local inference, yeah, you might need billions. My question is, could Sam Altman actually be like dreaming up of a of a humanoid robot right because think about it what's the big prize with agi and artificial intelligence in terms of hardware and the ultimate form factor is going to be the humanoid form factor because the whole world is designed around that right factor and the humanoid form, form factor is amazing right you can walk you could talk you could drive see sense dig basically you could build factories you could do almost anything right a human can do and so my question is, yeah, could Sam Altman have been thinking or is thinking about um, perhaps not just a consumer device, but even you know much bigger? And could we see competition? And I think my prediction is in the future, the humanoid uh, robot market is going to be one of the fiercest. Uh, the most uh, money is going to be poured into that segment, and um, it's going to be the most lucrative as well and the most impactful in many ways. I want to talk about uh, Ilya Sutsukurva right now. Um, this, um, so Ilya is the chief scientist for OpenAI, he's a co-founder. Um, he is credited as being kind of the brains behind some of the, the biggest advancements um, with OpenAI and the neural nets. And he goes back, um, you know, 15, 20 years in his AI kind of 
um, contributions. And um, Elon has also noted that he is kind of one of the main reasons why OpenAI has, has progressed so far. Now, I've listened to many of his interviews over time, and I think there is some tension between the fundamental views of Ilya and Sam Altman and their approaches. So with Ilya, he's very, very thoughtful. He's very, very in tune with the technology, where things are headed, and he's very in tune with the dangers and the potential kind of hazards of AGI and what could happen. One of his priorities is he wants to make sure that AGI is programmed to have warm feelings toward humans. And he wants to make that happen right now because he thinks it could be too late later on. He's cautious about moving too fast, right? Um, in a haphazard manner. Manner. On the flip side, Sam has this other idea where he, he has a cautious side where he thinks that, you know, you do need to align the models, et cetera, but he feels the bigger accountability is going to come from the governments and society at large, where opening as well is to show people the latest and the greatest models and what it could do so that people can react and understand these models and understand the risks and bring in the right regulations and controls over these models. Meaning the flip side is what if a closed company hid what they were doing and the power of their models for many years, therefore the public and the gov and governments couldn't really understand right what to regulate or what to control. And so there are di fundamentally different approaches here. Ilya is pushing the envelope technologically in terms of its neural nets, how data is approached and how compute is used, et cetera. Sam is pushing the more practical stuff as he sees these, these models getting larger um, and he's providing the compute. He's inking the deals, right, for billions and billions of dollars of co training compute power and making sure that OpenAI has the p compute power to train GPT-5, 6, 7, et cetera. So I think something might have happened the past few weeks, and that is, um, rumor has it that in recent Sam Altman talks that a few weeks ago, like he saw something demoed and they, it was very significant, one of the most significant things in OpenAI's history, at least top four. I think perhaps OpenAI might have finished training with GPT-5. So let me explain what's going on. GPT-4, basically a 1.7 trillion parameter model, took about three months or so, supposedly, of training time. I think GPT-5 would be is a much larger model. It's probably gonna take longer um, training time with more GPUs, et cetera. You know, I would expect something between three and six months, maybe three to five months training time. Uh, with probably yeah, a good three or four times, five times more computers, uh, more data, more parameters, et cetera. Now, my kind of suspicion is that perhaps they finished kind of this training run and they were demoing what, what GPT-5 could do and they were shocked at a lot of the challenges that GPT-4 has has been solved with GPT-5. Now, this kind of caused this separate kind of uh, dichotomy and reactions. Ilya became very, very heavy, kind of, uh, it became a very heavy responsibility and weight to, to steward uh, this, not just GPT-5, but what it could lead to very fast, right? GPT-6 and 7, et cetera, and AGI. For Sam, he felt like, wow, we've got to get this out. We've got to, you know, be good stewards of progressing this. And so his whole thing is we need to raise more money to get more compute for, to host, right, GPT-5 for, if you think GPT-4 is going crazy, think about it. 
tons of people are signing up. It's, the usage is crazy. GPT-5 is gonna be even crazier. They need more infrastructure, more compute, and they need to have the resources to train GPT-6 and 7, et cetera. So he's thinking already, he needs to raise tens of billions of dollars or more and push this even faster. And there you have the contention between Ilya and Sam Altman. Um, they both agree that safety is important, but they have different approaches towards safety and different approaches on how to roll um, these things out. Add a, on top of this, right? perhaps Sam's ambitions outside of OpenAI for another company, um, and perhaps also at Dev Day, they announced an apps, a kind of a GPT store that would share revenues with people. And some of this stuff would be uncomfortable perhaps to some of the people at OpenAI. And I think um, Ilya and perhaps some of the other board members had a lot of issues and they felt like you know, Sam wasn't the best person to push OpenAI um, into the next stage with GPT-5, 6, and 7 toward AGI. So this is really, really, um, important and crucial stuff because OpenAI right now is, is the leader, is the clear leader in the race to AGI right now. And there are a lot of second, third places, but these second, third places are quite far behind. And as a result, um, it's OpenAI's kind of battle to lose to reach AGI in the next few years. And who controls that and who stewards that is extremely important. And you have, here you have this huge battle. Um, Ilya, he, you know, made the and, and the board of directors made the first move to fire Sam and Greg, but they did it kind of behind closed doors without communicating beforehand with other investors and other key players. This kind of has backfired, and now investors and key players want Sam Altman back, and they want Ilya and the rest of the board out. That's kind of the context of what's going on with with the OpenAI battle here. Um, yeah, so here it says, this is an article today from Bloomberg um, or The Verge. It says, one big condition of Sam Altman's return is that the existing board who fired him has to step down. Um, and the existing board wants a say and wants to choose the new board. So it, it's, it's a very contentious situation here. All right. Um, they also say that they have a, a 5 p.m. deadline, but they also had a 5 p.m. deadline yesterday. So this is really like, you know, tense. I expect every day there to be um, some interesting news. I think there's an agreement where the board is willing to resign and have Sam Altman come back, but they want a board they're comfortable with that can steward a, a, a AGI and OpenAI going forward. And so that takes time. It takes, you know, more than 10 hours or a few hours to decide on a whole new board that everyone agrees upon. So I think a lot of these details are being hashed out and we'll probably, you know, see more details in the next couple of days or so. Um, here you have another, here's a tweet, X Corp investors will own 25% of XAI. Um, this is interesting here because, so we know Elon has started a competitor to ChatGPT. It's called Grok. It's by XAI. This is a separate company than X. X, formerly Twitter, is owned by X Corp. So the X Corporation owns that. X.AI XAI is separate from X Corp and X Twitter, etc. It's a separate company that Elon created. And part of it is he wanted to and needed to give equity away to some early uh, people in the team. But also, I think there's some governance things that he felt he wanted to make sure it was governed and set up in, in the right way that he felt comfortable with in case they were able to solve AGI. Um, now Elon comes out and says, of XAI, 25% is going to be owned by the owners of X Corp. So who owns X Corp? These are the 
institutions and private investors who, who basically helped put in money when Elon was taking X private or Twitter private. And so these people and this group of people will own 25% of X AI of which Elon owns the majority of X Corp. So he owns mo the most right, of XAI anyways, and he probably owns a lot of the rest as well with some other people. So the question is, yeah, can we get in? Can we get in to um, uh, XAI in, in terms of Elon's new company here? And yeah, uh, right now it's, it's a private company, so it's extremely difficult to get in. Um, I wish there could be something to be done you know, where more people can access ownership into X Corp and X AI. The potential of X AI is, is practically unlimited. And one of the reasons why it's unlimited is because the race to AGI is, is full blown. And the people who I think have the best chance to reach AGI are the people who are crazy enough, the super ambitious kind of no holds barred people that are just gonna pile billions and billions of dollars into compute and training and data come up with the largest and best neural net models, right? these large language models, and they're gonna be the ones in the lead position. And if they can come up with kind of this cycle, this flywheel where they create this product, it creates revenue and usage, and they use that money right, to train the next model, kind of what ChatGPT has going, right? that type of flywheel of a model, those are the companies that are gonna be in the leadership position for AGI. Grok has a chance now. They're not perhaps the leadership, they're in the leadership position like OpenAI, but who knows? OpenAI is like almost self-destructing or, you know, I would say self-destructing, but it's like going, it's like chaos right now in the leadership position. You have Google up there because they're willing to spend billions of dollars to fund this. They've got Android, the Google platform, et cetera. Um, you have Apple, et cetera, and others, but Grok is interesting because Elon is one of those guys he understands what's at stake and he understands that he's okay with spending billions of dollars to invest in this. And he understands the straightforward nature of it. If you have the best world-class AI talent, you bring them together, they have the right data, the right amount and type of data, and they have the enough compute power right, to train the largest neural nets, you're gonna come up with something pretty great. That's the nature of these large language models as we know it. And we still haven't hit the cap of what these large language models can do with more compute and more data. So we're gonna go pretty far just with this sheer brute investment in compute and more data, world-class talent. Elon understands this, he knows this. This is why he, it's the opportune time, meaning he knew he had to move this year and he had to move quick and he had to move big. And he's doing, I think, an amazing job getting the people together, getting a product out, incorporating it within right, the X platform, et cetera, to become a real possible player in the, the race toward AGI. So what does this mean? It means that X.AI could be worth potentially hundreds of billions of dollars or trillions of dollars in the future. Right now, you know, we're not gonna say it's worth hundreds of billions of dollars because let's say OpenAI was worth like about $86 billion or so kind of in the private markets. Uh, it's gone down with this fiasco, but who knows what will happen. Um, Grok, let's say XAI, they've got a great team, they've got funding. You've got to say that they're worth at least five or $10 billion right now, um, especially in the, in the open, let's say private markets. Now, if it can progress and XAI can continue to push the envelope and come up with something 
comparable to GPT-4. Let's say next year, they come up with something comparable to GPT-4. That's a good sign. They're a year behind, or let's say a year and a half behind. They just need to push them to keep on bridging the gap, uh, decreasing the distance right between them and the leader, and they'll get closer and closer. And as long as they keep on plowing the funds in uh, with the right talent and right data, I think they'll, they'll get really, really close and, and, and vie for leadership. That means that XAI, XAI has potential to be billions of dollars. So what does 25% mean? If XAI becomes a trillion dollar company, that means people who own X Corp or X Twitter, they own 25%, $250 million. That's way more than the $42 billion or whatever, $44 billion that Elon paid for Twitter. So we're gonna look at, I think the amount that Elon paid for Twitter is 44 billion. Sure, it was kind of over market price initially, but over time, it's gonna be a steal. Um, yeah, it's gonna be worth a lot more, especially if XAI is able to execute on their plans toward a real ChatGPT competitor, right? And becoming one of the leaders with, with AGI. So the question becomes, what's the relationship between XAI and, and Tesla? Um, so yeah, I, I wrote this tweet, I go, too bad there's no Elon stock symbol or fund to get exposure to all of his companies, right? Tesla, SpaceX, Starlink, X, Corp, XAI, Neuralink, Boring Company. These are some of the craziest companies out there. Um, it would be so cool just to have, you know, one fund that just like is evenly distributed or whatever across all of these companies. Um, but yeah, too bad we don't have that. But it brings an interesting question of, we have the humanoid robot and the humanoid robot for, and we have FSD, right? Tesla solving real world AI. They're in the more of the physical world part of the AI game. XAI and Grok, ChatGPT, OpenAI, all these others are more in the language learning model and more in the knowledge space of pursuing AGI. Tesla's humanoid robot is going to need that part of the brain, right? So if you could kind of picture, you know, the Tesla humanoid robot is needing two brains. One is it's going to need kind of this physical navigation, how to interact with the physical world brain. I call it like a cheetah brain, a brain that knows how to like, you know, navigate and, and, and run in this world. But it's also going to need kind of like a nerdy brain, a brain that knows how to calculate and reason and, and talk, etc. So what the humanoid robot needs is it needs the cheetah brain and the nerdy brain to get and together, right? But these two are kind of very different, at least right now, in how these neural nets operate, the infrastructure, how to get there. Tesla can get there with the physical world AI model, I believe, the cheetah model, the cheetah brain. They need help to bring this nerdy model in, right? The nerdy brain. And that's where, you know, the potential of XAI to basically lend that or let Tesla you know, use their nerdy brain in the humanoid robot. But what's the relationship? What's the kind of, is it just Elon's goodwill that he says, okay, you can let us, you can, Tesla can use this nerdy brain. Is there some type of formal agreement? Can Tesla own part of XAI? You know, I think it'd be pretty cool if Tesla owned at least 10% of XAI. Or can Tesla provide the funding for XAI's kind of compute and training that they're gonna need? Can Tesla provide five or $10 billion into XAI and get 25%? That's kind of interesting too, right? I mean, I wouldn't mind that that situation because it would clear up a lot about Tesla's future in terms of where is it going to get the nerdy brain. 
Um, I don't mind also if Elon keeps kind of a super majority share of XAI. So he takes kind of control, the voting control of XAI, just as long as let's say Tesla has some stake and it can buy the stake again, right? It could invest billions of dollars into XAI to help its compute and its training get a share so that it becomes more of a clear business relationship of, right? Yeah, Tesla owns part of XAI, therefore it's using, right, that model right, the nerdy model inside its humanoid robot together with the cheetah right, model that it has, that kind of makes more sense with me, more sense to me. But yeah, there hasn't been much kind of clarity with this besides what Elon has said that, you know, uh, yeah, XAI will benefit, right, Tesla and Tesla shareholders. The question is how, what's the structure and um, yeah, what is it gonna look like? So yeah, we'd love some clarity on that and we'll see, you know, what happens. Uh, one last uh, kind of, comment here is um, Omar from Holmar's catalog said, leaving OpenAI for equity in Sam Alton's new venture could be as prof a profitable, profitable decision for many OpenAI employees. Elon says, we should dispense with the false idea that money is somehow relevant in an AGI feature. So yeah, we've got some interesting thoughts here. Um, Farsa actually posted that Grok disagrees. Um, Grok is basically saying that, yeah, the role of money of with AGI might change, but money won't become entirely irrelevant. Um, money is a tool for governments to implement policies, redistribute wealth, provide ser public services. It represents access to resources, power, and sh social status. Now, personally, I don't see in the near future, you know, even with AGI, money going away or becoming completely irrelevant. But I also see Elon's point of view that if you, if you extend the timeline of what you're looking at in terms of AGI extended out 50 or 100 years, yeah, it, it changes the picture. And here's what here's how I can explain it. In the future, like up until this a certain point, like kind of money or res access to resources that you could exchange to get goods and services was kind of like the the paramount um, position in terms of the value chain, right? If you had resources access aka money, you could get right all goods and services that you need right through exchange. However, we're gonna reach a point not in the not too distant future where where things shift, where it becomes uh, where intelligence becomes the top value um, uh, item. No longer is will it be you know these credits slash resources money as exchange, but the idea that the amount of intelligence, right, you have will become more valuable because through that intelligence, you could do everything else. I mean, you can create companies, you could create factories and robots and mine for things that create, you know, food businesses, go to another planet, etc. It's the intelligence that drives the value creation for all these other things. Therefore, it's gonna be a restructuring of value and how we view things and resources. And perhaps for the first time in history, it's gonna shift so drastically where, yeah, money is irrelevant, might become irrelevant in a sense that it's not as important as intelligence. Who has access to intelligence, the most intelligence, right? That person or group of people will have the most power. Also, intelligence will be largely driven by you know, energy, the cost of energy and the cost of these, you know, hardware, the chips, et cetera, who has access to that, the cost of min minerals to, 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 to build these things and the infrastructure. So um, a lot of things will shift over, let's say 
a longer time frame. And that's kind of, I think, the context to understand, I think, Elon's comments here. All right, guys. Um, so got some crazy stuff as um, going on here. But what I want to do here is um, uh, I'll go ahead and um, take some questions here. So if you have a question and want to uh, chime in here, go ahead and type in all caps question colon. Write your question. I'll try to get to um, uh, as many as we can. Um, Victor says, um, I love you. Uh, yeah, we love you. I, I, yeah, you guys are awesome. Um, Isaac, uh, good thoughts for you and your family. Thank you. Uh, very much appreciated. Um, Apple Watch has a four-core inference compute. Yeah, um, we're going to need more compute models. We're going to have to shrink a lot. Um, this is going to be a, a ongoing thing, right? Local inference uh, compute. Uh, Alex says, Optimus will have the right amount of inference compute. Yeah, I mean, one of the things is Optimus is, is optimized for low wattage, high inference, meaning like FAC computer can't be an energy hog, but yet it's got to run these neural nets very quick and fast and, and quite large ones. So, so um, it's, the, it's, it's the perfect kind of training setup, meaning Tesla was forced to create the hardware and the approach that they're, they're creating because cars are so demanding. It's like split second, millisecond, you know, microsecond decisions. You need low wattage, you need quick timing. And, and all of this has forced Tesla to build the hardware that is needed. And all of that is going into Optimus. So yeah, it's an interesting time. Breakfast Pizza says, do you think uh, OpenAI is overvalued? LLM, LLM, LLMs appear to be on the path of being commoditized. $80 billion is quite a valuation for no long-term roadmap. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big question mark, meaning, um, is like, what's the future of LLMs? Is it really something that's just um, unique and a few people, a few companies will hold the, the hold on the future of LLMs and AGI or will it be something that open source commoditizes where everyone has access to it's not that special. I think it's a combination of both perhaps. I think still the, the best and um, greatest models are gonna need a huge amount of compute that it's gonna need tens of billions of dollars of investment to, to train these models. I'll give you an example. So if you want an LLM to do a certain task, to create a photo or to translate something, et cetera, that stuff is gonna be super cheap and super commoditized. You're gonna be able to do it almost anywhere, anywhere anything. It's gonna be like, you can run it on your Apple Watch, let's say, right? Um, eventually on your phone, whatever. You don't need a ton of compute. These models are gonna, are gonna be smaller, more efficient, et cetera. Even models like text-to-speech, speech-to-text, et cetera, you can have a lot of capability. But there's a, a different angle where it's not task-based, it's considered to be job-based approach. So if you're trying to do a real job that, that needs hundreds of complex, diverse tasks with various challenges, let's say you're an engineer trying to build a factory with a real product that comes out at the end of the factory, or you're, you're, I don't know, like uh, trying to build something, design something like from the start to end, like create an app that actually goes to the app store, makes a lot of money. Like you're going to have to do so many steps and so many tasks that are diverse and complicated and challenging. It's not something a, a simple, you know, neural net is going to do. You're going to need the capacity or the performance level of this large language model to be so high 
that it is equal to and basically eclipses the intelligence level of a human to handle the complex tasks that a real job entails. Think about hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands and thousands of crazy decisions and challenges that no simple right, LLM is going to accomplish. Now, what type of AI is going to accomplish that? That's what the biggest LLMs, that's what the AGI, that's what it's for, right, to accomplish these tasks. But where is the greatest value accrued in the economy? It's through those jobs, right? That's why, that's where the biggest piece is, actually. It's with the biggest models, because they're going to be able to take the, the jobs, right? To do the jobs, not just the tasks. And so, yeah, 80 billion actually for, the, for a company, if they're theoretically in the leadership position to solve AGI and not to solve task, but tasks, but to solve real jobs that can, you know, basically be unlimited in the amount of jobs they can create and the types of jobs, like that's, not, that's basically nothing. Um, uh, so yeah, in some ways you could say, uh, it's just getting started, this this whole race to AGI and evaluation for AGI. Uh, Jungwoo Sao says, hey Dave, what's your email? I want to send info that may help your wife's cancer. Yeah, I appreciate that help. Go ahead and uh, DM me on Twitter. Sometimes it's hard to read through everything, but I'll try to look for your, your DM on Twitter. Um, we need Dave and Farsad in-person collab. Yeah, we need to get to that. Um, I asked, I told my last, uh, in my last stream, I said, yeah, I'd be totally open to it. I would love to get together with, with, with Farzad. Dave and Rob interview with Elon as promised by Elon. Yeah, we'd love to interview Elon. I know he, um, yeah, that would be fantastic. A Grok AI will be in every Tesla car. Yeah, I think this could happen actually sooner than people think. Um, you just kind of need, some basic things and you'll get, I think it's possible by the end of next year. Um, XAI will need to come up with their own speech to text and text to speech kind of, you know, models and improve Grok. But one year is a long time and OpenAI has already proven the speech to text and text to speech models are done, right? They've even open sourced, right? Whisper. So this is the new stuff. It's, it's not that difficult once someone has done it. So we're going to see, I think, Grok, basically the nerdy brain, right? I'm talking about come into Tesla cars. Um, it'll be a precursor to um, Grok coming into um, uh, the humanoid robot. Uh, would you invest in OpenAI? Any public companies great for AI trend? Um, yeah, I mean, if, if if you had a chance to invest into the leader of AGI or the potential, like it's, I don't see, how I could pass that up in terms, I'm not going to press go 100% in just one company and one effort, but but um, yeah, the value creation that AGI is going to bring is is mind boggling, especially when you consider the, the, the progression of AI moving from simple tasks to more complicated tasks to combination of tasks, then into simple jobs that require, let's say, you know, five to 10, 20, challenging tasks put together, then you move on to more complex jobs, 50, 100, and then let's say ex complex jobs of thousands of a diverse tasks that require, that require a lot of creativity and, and, and intelligence. And if a AGI or AI can accomplish all of that, and it can actually replace or supplement new jobs, we're talking about a, a value creation that has never happened before on that level in history. I mean, this is, this is stuff that is next level. 
Uh, Alex says Dojo access for equity. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Give Dojo access to XAI for equity and return. Not bad, you know? Yeah, X, here's the thing. XAI needs a ton of compute. That's the big challenge. Like they've got the team. The team is, you know, relatively easy. Give them equity, cast a vision. Elon and his folks can do that well. You need the data, but everyone else needs the data too, right? And Twitter's got some data. They have other places they can get and go to get data. Where do you get the compute? You need like, you need billions of dollars, right? I mean, you could train a simple model for under a billion, right? 500 million, you can train a decent model, but to get GPT-4 and then GPT-5 levels, it's gonna go billions. So how is XAI getting that? They could, Twitter is, or X Corp isn't that profitable, right? It's not even, who knows, probably not even cash flow positive yet, but not getting it from there. Elon probably have to sell shares to get billions of dollars or get new investors, which he could, right, into XAI. Or Tesla can invest billions and Tesla could, you know, lend or let uh, XAI use Dojo. That would be pretty cool. Um, definitely, I think there's some uh, way to to collaborate between Tesla and XAI. I would love to see kind of this more formalized. Um, here's Daniel Gardner. How do you think the uh, the powerful companies upon which the future will likely run, OpenAI, Tesla, et cetera, should ideally be governed? I think Elon mentioned something like verify people get a vote. Here, it's a tough question because um, sometimes if you let everybody vote, sometimes the the majority doesn't choose the right right way, right? Sometimes, you know, like there's been many times in history where the majority chose the wrong thing to do. Um, and, but then there's a lot of times where, you know, the power, you know, concentrated in the hands of few have led to disastrous effects and implications as well. And so there's a lot of, I think, wisdom that's going to be needed on how to steward and how to manage the most powerful technologies going forward. Um, yeah, if there can be many kind of of these competing technologies, data centers, et cetera, that are pushing the envelope, I think that's going to be interesting. The role of government, and I have some concerns where the government comes in, either gets hyper cautious, regulates like crazy, or even captures the technology in the sense of it says where it's good for us to use, but not not for other people to use. And there's a lot of like scenarios that could go wrong with with um with AI. So, yeah, I think um um some type of thing where you have some structured thing where. Um, you need the right principles, like kind of like a constitution or some guiding documents that can guide the organization that's going to steward, let's say, an AGI or, uh, or a, you know, um, part of the bigger picture of, of, of various companies, right? Having different types of AGI. So you need each, each uh, stakeholder, I think each company needs to have their principles laid out very clearly and they need to have people shareholders align with those principles and values and then representation like right, a board etc execute those principles but it's gonna it's almost like when you find found a nation you need to be very thoughtful in how you orchestrate the founding and what values you include and how you structure the format right of governance and i think a lot of attention needs to be put on this but it's not yet it's there's just a mad race to build larger neural nets, right? To get more data and improve, et cetera. We haven't really taken the time to really think of the implications per se. And a lot of times the technologists involved aren't the best 
with political science, governance, history, etc. They're just good at, you know, one aspect of the bigger picture. So there are a lot of, so there needs to be collaboration, right? There needs to be some um, things coming together. Uh, Asaf says, Tesla doesn't have an extra five to 10 billion, especially in a recession. They spend um, 10 billion on OPEX early and have 20 billion in cash. How could they help AX, XAI? Well, they're getting, they're, they're cash flow positive, right? So it's not like they need the 20 billion per se. They can invest five to 10 billion, I think, into XAI, fine. Also, Dojo can give, can be a, a great investment too, right? Um, they're already scaling Dojo. So give XAI, you know, Dojo Compute to train their models too, if possible. Question, will HI create a new economic system, i.e. moving from monarchy system to capitalism, communism, and now something new? All right, so it's it's hard to tell, but I think one interesting angle is to think about um, AI as in the future as these data centers. Like there's gonna be some data centers that are crazy, right? <laughs> they, they host, right, the biggest, best models, most capable models, that don't do just the simple tasks. We're talking about the complex, right? Thousands and thousands of challenging tasks as jobs, and they're they're and they can, you know, Karpathy had this interesting tweet of kind of like LLMs, like building an international corporation, etc. But we're talking about where, yeah, there, where things are headed is in the direction of certain data centers can host, let's say, an an AI, a neural net that is so advanced that it can create. You know, many many jobs and do or do do many many jobs uh, exceedingly well and perhaps better than humans. And as it does that, and it gets better, and it eats more and more jobs or the ability to do those jobs, and it creates more value and it, it improves its model. What you're going to have is you're going to have these data centers able to do things, pretty much everything that the human humans can do, like build companies, build products, build factories, build more robots, et cetera. Um, and <laughs> some of these things can be autonomous, meaning they don't even need human direction or supervision per se, because they can do their own thing. So when you're at this level where you have certain data centers take on this another level where they're no longer just like human directed tools per se. And this is an interesting thing that Sam Alton was saying last week before he got fired, I think the day, night before at a talk, where he's like, are these you know, AI systems, we've known them as tools this whole time, but will they become like creatures in a sense? Like, and well, I think what he's implying is, sure, humans intended computers, AI to serve us to be tools, but will they have their own type of autonomy in a sense to be able to do their own tasks and have their own goals? Maybe humans input and direct those goals, but there's a level of autonomy where, where these AI agents can reach those goals in different ways. Now, when we're talking about that level of AI, we're talking about um, major disruption in the form, in terms of what it does to the economic system. We've never had this type of technology in the history of the world where you have, it's almost like a new species in a sense, 
where humans is all, have always been the driving factors of the economy, right? Of the economic system of growing value. You, there's, you know, labor and goods. Those are the traditional backbone of the economic system, right? And the, the economy is limited based upon labor because there's not unlimited humans. And humans drive labor right? or, or goods because they basically make the goods, mine materials, build the materials, mine the, or build the products, etc. So there's an inherent limitation to the economic system because it's based. The economic system is is based solely on the on the human input, right? The human capital and labor input equation. What we're doing is we're building a new equation in, of the economy and what the economy means when humans are no longer the only species or only input factor into the economy equation. No longer is a scarcity human labor and capital, right? Now there's this other thing that comes in, which is let's say AGI or these data center AI agents that are autonomously able to do thousands of jobs, create their own companies, products, services, etc. When you bring these guys into the equation, now this what is scarcity anymore? Like is are human is human labor really the, the scarce variable in the economic equation anymore? Because before, if, when human labor was the the scarcity item, what you would have to do is you have to reproduce, you have to create new humans, right? Or you would have to increase productivity to increase output. But when that's no longer the, the equation where humans aren't the scarce element and you have this new 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 thing of intelligence being artificial um, and value creation being something that's not just from humans, it's from this, these AI agents. And these AI agents are able to increase their performance, increase their capacity, grow new capacity at a pace that's extremely fast and um, shocking. Then what are the limitations? Like, are, is there scarcity anymore in the economic equation? And I think because of that, like these are, we're entering into perhaps, you know, what could be some crazy, crazy times um, that will redefine and, and disrupt, you know, everything we know about um, resources, capital, economy, intelligence, knowledge, etc. And um, yeah, we're living right in the middle of all of this, right? So it's uh, quite crazy times here. Um, what period will be the most important for Tesla and also for the stock? 2018, 22, or 23 to 27? Yeah, I think, um, <laughs> so I talk about the whole economy equation, right? See, Tesla is part of the, like Tesla and cars are part of the old economy equation, right? So you have, you know, human labor and as the main scarcity element, and then human labor, basically, like you mine for materials, you assemble you build the parts, you put them together, you sell the cars, and you get that markup, right? The the value that people um, after they purchase the, the car from you, right? Um, that's like the old equation of the economy. And Tesla, that's the model of Tesla, right? As a as an auto company, what Tesla is getting into with FSD and humanoid robots and this physical world AI models that they're they're putting together is they're laying the foundation of being a major part in the new economy, the kind of the unlimited, the, where the variables are all messed up, where it's no longer a scarcity, you know, driven, human-driven economic equation, where now AI agents come in and becomes this unlimited crazy thing. Tesla is laying the foundation for that to become a main participant or one of the main participants in that new economic reality. And 
so what we're talking about is Tesla, if they're successful in terms of what they're doing with real world AI, um, they'll need the nerdy brain again, maybe from XAI. They'll need to execute well on FSD and humanoid robots. It needs to be good. Um, and they scale this. We're talking about humanoid robots as perhaps the defining product for the next economic paradigm. And if you think about it, like you have intelligence. How do you, how do you kind of use intelligence to create economic value? And you can do it through kind of this knowledge approach where you, you know, create knowledge to, as value. Another approach is you can create products or services um, of value. And in a lot of ways, like the human robot can do both. If he has the right brains, right, it could do the nerdy knowledge and it could do the blue collar physical stuff too. There's actually no limits to what it can create. Um, so yeah, in my opinion, it's not a question mark. Um, if Tesla can execute with their plans uh, for real world AI, FSD, humanoid robot, become one of the main players in the new economic reality of AGI and what that means with this new economic equation I'm talking about. Yeah, um, yeah, the stock price could be crazy. I, I yeah, it's, um, yeah. Question, there, there's a super clear distinction between intelligence and production. These are not the same. Intelligence doesn't make food in cities. How does intelligence connect, connect to material? Yeah, so this is like a great question. So what happens is, um, actually, there, I don't think there is a, a big distinction between intelligence and production. Uh, what I mean by this is we're talking about we haven't had um, the level of intelligence where it's been as artificial intelligence, where it's been at human level or greater. Now, that's why we could say that, oh yeah, there's a distinction, like just because you have smart computers, they can't make, let's say cities, or they can't make food, or they can't mine for materials, et cetera. But actually, if you think about it and take a step back, it really is because it's, they're not intelligent enough computers yet. And what I mean by this is if computers were intelligent enough, let's say more intelligent than humans, then what they could do is they could do a lot of things. For example, they can um, uh, design a factory and make robots, have the robots go out, mine for materials, come back with the materials, make a new factory to make new products, redesign things, do it over and over and over again, um, sure, there's kind of this chicken and egg problem. How does the AI create the first robots, right? To kind of make the next robots in the next factory, right? So you might need, like, how does the AI jump from the, the, the virtual realm into the physical realm in the first place, right? But you can also have, if they're smart enough, they can actually just pay people like online, right? <laughs> Do these jobs for them to pull together like things, create a first robot and then, you know, tell people or whatever, create the second robot or have the, the first robot, create the second robot, et cetera. There's different ways. In the bigger picture, it's an intelligence problem where at a certain intelligence level, let's say there's AI that's, let's say a million times, a billion times smarter, smarter than humans. They're going to be able to create the robots, create the factories, have the robots create the robots, create that, create the factories that mine from the materials that create the products and services, et cetera. And it all goes around in its own economy, like, and it's super fast 
and it's like humans don't even understand what's going on because it's like so crazy, right? That's what intelligence does, and that's what we're talking about. We're not like talking about like in the same realm, like a, like AI or machine intelligence in the same realm of of human intelligence. We're talking about AI on this on this trajectory where it far eclipses the intelligence of humans. Where yeah, it does make food. It does make cities. It does make materials. Like that's what we're talking about in terms of the future of AI, because it has that level of intelligence. So another couple angles on on intelligence here is if you think about uh, the the his, in his, history and you can redefine kind of history through the lens of intelligence. In a lot of ways, intelligence drives the rise and falls of rise and fall of nations in the and history in the cycles of history in some some ways a lot of times you have intelligence that drives let's say weapons that can drive conquering your neighbors or intelligence will drive technological advancements which drive economic advancements which drive growing economies which drive you know people getting richer etc bigger you know uh, cities increased standard of living etc so if you look at the history in terms of through the lens of intelligence, you could see intelligence, perhaps you, you can make a case that intelligence drives the rise and fall of countries, drives the rise and fall, fall of economies. And if you apply that to the future and you apply AI, and we're looking at the tra trajectory of when artificial intelligence, the cumulative you know, sum of all artificial intelligence eclipses the cumulative sum of human intelligence, and then it just goes hockey stick, right? Where just, you just can't compare anymore. If that's the case, if you look at history through that lens of intelligence driving things, then we're in for some crazy times because uh, that will increase, that will be basically, you know, the, the rate of innovation, the rate of change, the rate of development, the rate of power of everything is going to just go radically, you know, up. The rate of weapons, the rate of products and services development, everything is going to go crazy. Um, yeah, this is, um, I'm telling you, guys, we're, we're in for some crazy times. Uh, RM13 uh, says, do you believe there's a chance true AGI will never be accomplished? So there's the question marks here. So um, there's a few questions here. One is there's a timing issue, like will AGI be here in a couple of years, two years, three years, or five or 10 years or longer, et cetera. Um, I think it's, it's good to look at AGI through the lens of a spectrum where you have AGI, you might have like baby AGI or kind of like, think of it as like, you know, um, um, a human going from baby to adult. And as a baby, you can't do everything that an adult can do. You can do a few things. As a, as a five-year-old, a preschooler or a kindergarten, you can do some things more, but you can't do all of, all of the things an adult can do. As a teenager, you can do more, et cetera. I think what we're seeing is we're going to see this progression of artificial intelligence kind of going where, yeah, you could see AI doing more and more of what, let's say, a human can do. The question is, like, even if it gets to the place where, let's say, it could do almost everything a human can do, um, we'll still consider that AGI in a sense because let's say it could do, you know, 80% of all jobs out there um, and as good as humans or even better. I mean, still that's AGI in a very mature form actually because it's like a vast majority of human jobs. The question also becomes up where 
will AGI be able to do some of the things that like humans can do in terms of emotional kind of um, uh, level of creativity, understanding, perhaps even kind of beyond what's explainable. And there's, I think there's two main views on this. One is there's a camp that says, yeah, no, AI is going to be able to copy and do everything right, humans can do. And I understand this point, and it's actually pre pretty compelling because a lot of what humans do is actually mimicking others or it's mimetic behavior where we're mimicking how to talk, how to act, you know, going along with culture and, and trends, et cetera, and talking and do, walking a certain way because, you know, that's what everyone else does. And AI is, is good at that, right? It's perfect at, at mimicking how you talk and speak and what to do. Like it fits in the perfect way. Um, and it can mimic even human creativity in a lot of ways, create things that are just amazing. It just looks like crazy stuff. But another angle is that you could say humans bring to the picture something that AI will never have. And it's kind of, like, but with this angle, you kind of almost have to believe in a, in a bit of, of, of a different, that there's something more to humans than meet the eye, meaning that humans have a soul or have some type of deeper connection, something that can't be, explained fully just in a completely natural way there's something extra right if you take this angle then you could say yeah AGI will will have its own intelligence its own capabilities will be able to do almost everything human can do but will lack some of these intangible qualities that humans have that maybe are hard to explain or to to articulate um, I kind of lean on more of this camp of the whole um, I think humans will, will have a unique part to play. Um, and, but I understand the other side too, because, and a lot of this stuff will, will need to be, you know, we'll need to see it in action. But yeah, how AGI rolls out, it's going to be a spectrum of abilities. And we're going to see task, task, more tasks, group of tasks, large group of tasks, small jobs, big, bigger jobs, huge jobs with lots of complex materials and, and challenges. All of these are going to be solved uh, at a very quick pace right now, just because the models are growing that much bigger and faster and more capable. Um, where it's going to end now, that's a question mark, right? What, yeah, you know, how, how human can they be in a sense in terms of um, not just abilities, but like empathy slash um, connection, right? Um, Uh, do you think AGI should be controlled directly by U.S. government? There are too many national security issues about that. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be increasingly, I think, a big issue. When Sam Altman and Greg Brockman um, did their tour earlier this year, um, I, I was able to to check them out in Seoul, Korea. I was visiting. Um, it was yeah, it was a good time to to see their team and meet a lot of their team in person. And it was interesting because they were just kind of going from country to country and unexpectedly, like the leaders of all these countries, like the presidents, South Korea and India, all these places are wanting to meet with them face to face. One of the reasons is because there is, it's not too hard to imagine how important AI is going to become, not just toward economic um, competition or economic kind of viability in the future for a nation, but also for national security and for military purposes as well. 
which country in the world wants to be left behind, right? Um, it, it's like, yeah, you, you want the, the best and the greatest. Um, and, you know, let's say before, like, I think nations were, in a sense, their economy, their, their economic power plus their military power combined, and the population, because that also is determined um, or determines a lot about the size of the economy. All this group together kind of brought together the dominance of certain countries in the world. This is being reshaped in a sense where AI is now in the picture. You could be a much smaller country, but if you have the best AI, you're going to have an outsized influence and outsized kind of power in the world. And a lot of these countries, you could be a huge country, but you can have like poor AI, and which leads to just poor weapons in the sense of you only have human-driven weapons, right? Here's the thing, like weapons are going to change where it's like before you have human-driven weapons, but it's all going to be AI weapons in the future, AI-made, driven, orchestrated everything. If you have poor AI, you could have a lot of human-driven weapons, but you're a weak country, right? A lot of this stuff is going to be AI-driven. That's going to determine the power of your country. So these leaders understand this. Um, at least a lot of them do. And so uh, they're going to want to take as much as they can out of this picture in terms of you know, what they can do with AI. You're going to have a lot of money invested. You're going to have a lot of regulations invested. or into. You're going to have a lot of crazy things happening around the world with AI in the next five or 10 years. Um, I hope, my, my hope is that we can make sure that AI stays out of the hands of the government in terms of uh, AI, uh, government controlling right, AI and the future of AI. I just don't think the government is the right institution to control AI or control something so profoundly impactful for the history of the world and the future going forward. Um, yeah, uh, government just historically has just been, you know, there have been great governments, but there have been a lot of bad governments who, uh, yeah, have done a lot of terrible things. And I don't think we should, um, yeah, risk that type of um, uh, situation here. Um, here you go. Could Elon revisit a claim in OpenAI as initial founder of the nonprofit organization of OpenAI to protect against AI at, in this moment of flux? Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I think Elon's out. I mean, we're talking about, uh, they have a board, they've got their bylaws, they've got all the stuff, they're investors, et cetera. They're going to figure it out. They're going to decide what they're going to do. Elon, he's got his own company, his own things going on. I don't think, um, yeah, he's going to really step in this moment. Um, yeah, it's truly mind-blowing how potential AI will revolutionize our world and economic system. The layperson has no idea what's coming, scary and exciting at the same time. I work in software support. I'm afraid AI uh, can take this over quite easily. Yeah, it's, I mean, software support is one of those easy, uh, customer support, all this stuff, those are pretty relatively straightforward uh, jobs. Even though they're, you know, they, there's lots of scenarios, but um, yeah, one of those, like those jobs are, are, are coming, coming sooner than later.
This may sound crazy, but there's a possible future where there are only two important companies in the world, Tesla Physical and an AI company Digital. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the, the way a lot of these things work is there's two factors. One is you have competition and then you have the flow of talent, meaning these, the key employees, the people who hold a lot of the knowledge behind you know, technology, development, models, et cetera, it's, it's quite fluid. They, they go from one company to another. There's nothing holding them back where they have to be in one company for the rest of their life, et cetera, right? There's no chains. And because of that fluidity and that flow of personnel and people, right, in the field, there's, there's, there's leakage of between different places. So it's, it's not that hard to copy the technology or the things that other companies are doing. It's not that hard, in my opinion. Okay, let me, let me qualify this. To copy OpenAI, there are challenges. They've got a lot of people, et cetera. But fundamentally, if you had 10 to $20 billion to spend on compute power, and you had the right vision and the right kind of recruiting to get the world-class talent and the access to the right data, you can make a pretty you know, compelling uh, run at it. Um, so it's not like there's, a, there's secrets kind of sauces that you can't ever access, right, with a lot of technologies and stuff. I think same thing with, with the physical real-world AI and the digital whatever knowledge AI world. Like it's more fluid in some ways. Now, on the flip side, you do have kind of the realities of, of technology where it can create kind of this um, cycle where it, it makes the product better, more people use it, they get some advantages of it, it creates its own moat in itself. And, um, and once that starts to happen, you get kind of this flywheel of improvements that improve the business model and improve its competitive advantage and kind of create this better and better product over time. So there is that element where it could consolidate in some ways. So I think there are, there are different factors involved in terms of how the future of AI will, will play out. I think it's way too early to say there will only be two companies or two fields. There's gonna be a lot of players. There's gonna be tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars spent to, to fight for these markets. And we're gonna have some big players. I think we're gonna have, we're gonna have some crazy players in both yeah, these markets. But yeah, the knowledge side and the physical side and the combination of both, these are huge, definitely huge markets that um, yeah, I've been talking about here. Building uh, a dojo, building the machine that makes the machine. Um, yeah, it's interesting that Sam Altman was in the Bloomberg story. Is interested in starting an AI chip company, right, to compete against Nvidia. I mean, Elon's had that idea. I, it's not necessarily direct competition with Nvidia, but he understands the the fundamental value of AI chips in the future and how crucial they are. That's what Tesla's been working on for a long time. It's not easy, and it takes a long time to get this done, but. That's um, yeah, one of the cool things I think that Elon has invested in with Tesla. Uh, question, so AGI would pitch to VCs or banks, material goods cost money, I get that they can send emails that contain blueprints, but AGI still needs to interface with economic material reality. Again, a lot of these, these things are actually intelligence-based, meaning, um, yeah, you, you might need that first crossover from the physical to, or from the virtual digital kind of AI world to the physical, but that's not, that's not hard, right? You could post a Craigslist ad for someone to do something or eBay or something, you know, uh, just, 
yeah, AI could do whatever. It's a big part of it is the intelligence driven part. If, you know, for example, AI came up with this crazy, crazy design for this robot that they could make with just simple materials. Let's say it's with 3D printers, right? Let's say AI could make this crazy design with 3D printers, you could create this robot, just what you need to stick the pieces together. So it creates the design and you print it out and it tells a person, gives them a job to basically just stick together the robot. But then this robot is able to do all these other things to create value. You take that value, improve the robot, the design improves, you're able to hire more people to, you know, and then eventually you're able to create the robot that's able to create the robot. And once that happens, it's kind of like game over. I think about it up until the point that AI can't create the first robot that can create another robot, right? Then it's like, it needs kind of the human involved in this, in the, in the equation. But once you get to the point where AI is able to create a robot that creates the robot, uh, creates another robot that can create the robot, et cetera, the cycle, then why do you need the human in the loop? Because AI can just, you know, build the robots that build all these other things and eventually build the factories and go on the fields to mine, go to the farms to, to, to plow, make the irrigation systems, do all this stuff. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, crazy stuff. Uh, Karsten Hensch says, highly intelligent people often cannot tolerate injustice, but can also be psychopaths. Do you think AGI will behave like good, wise souls or like heartless beings? My hope is the first one. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a, 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 a perceptive, you know, question there. Um, and part of it is like, it's the question of like the role of the soul. Um, and again, this is a huge debate over thousands and thousands of years of, of there's many angles of how people have argued do humans have a soul what is a soul you know all this stuff but i think there's an argument to be made that perhaps there's a certain level of conscious i'm not talking about per se simple consciousness but the idea of a conscious like the feeling the idea of feeling guilty or the idea of being connected with with people and and this idea of having kind of a soul or even values apart from just, yeah, just some inherent things. Um, you can make an argument that some of these things form some type of accountability or checks and balances with the human experience. And it prevents the majority of people from just going crazy slash becoming what you're saying, psychopaths, mean people. When you apply this to AI, like does AI really have that, you know, inherent thing that's built in to its core or its soul? And that's one of the question marks is like, uh, well, AI researchers are having to build in the alignment, right? Build in these so-called positive feelings to humans and make sure to try to make sure that AI doesn't, you know, have animosity toward humans or want to do its own thing. But that's the question mark is like, why do they have to do that if it's not inherently built in? Like if you take on the argument that humans have something inherently built in that is. What that means is that perhaps there is a danger and perhaps a significant danger with AI if you have to be so concerned with having to build in that extra layer 
of you know affinity toward humans that it doesn't harm humans because it doesn't have something inherent right in its conscious um, or soul that perhaps AI could act a certain way initially act polite but perhaps in other situation or you know situation it goes a little bit haywire it acts ruthlessly or in a completely different way where it doesn't have what we consider conscience and values and guilt, shame, like human connection, empathy, etc. It's a different, different animal in a, in a sense, right? Um, yeah, it's an artificial neural net, right? I mean, it's it's not a human, and because of that, there there's definitely concern, and I think that's part of also what's going on with OpenAI right now. I mean, they've they're pushing the envelope. I think with GPT-5 and they're seeing like a lot of capability, but they're also saying like, what's, what the heck is this? What can it do? What can it not do? Um, what's the best uh, approach forward and who is the best person, right? To lead their company at least. And these are um, very, very um, important questions. Any chance Karpathy might move to XAI if OpenAI don't keep it all together? I personally think Karpathy has moved on. Um, yeah. Uh, I wish he would join XA or Tesla. I, I like him a lot. Um, super cool communicator. You know, seems pretty chill. People like him, etc. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think he's probably moved on, and um, he'll probably stay at OpenAI or you know do something new. We'll see. And, um, Um, let's say that a concert was held by a group of optimists and played perfectly. It would be fun to attend a few times, but after a while, you would want to have humans play imperfectly instead. Um, yeah, that's true. But you would want, like AI would be so good that it would play imperfectly, meaning it would copy the human elements so closely that like the perfection would be not human-like because humans aren't perfect. So it would copy the imperfect so well that you would be like, oh, that's imperfect, that's human. And it would copy what elicits emotional reaction so good that it could elicit emotional reaction. Like that's how good AI is and will, be, will become even increasingly so in the future in terms of its mimetic behavior, right? To copy and imitate. And I think most people are still underappreciating or not understanding completely how well AI has mimicked and will mimic in the future to create what appears to be like emotional connection um, with these machines. I mean, it's... Pretty crazy stuff. Question, will stock prices even matter once AGI becomes mainstream? I think stock prices will matter for quite a while. Um, like, yes, out many, many years, uh, stock prices probably won't matter much because it's the amount of intelligence you have access to because the intelligence will lead to value creation will let you do whatever to create extra value. Let's say a certain level of intelligence or capacity that is able to let you create a whole thing, a whole economy where you mine for stuff, you create products, you create your own robots that create more robots that all this other stuff. You create your own country basically with, with the right amount of intelligence. Like what's the point of a stock price, right? It doesn't, doesn't really matter at a certain point. But of course, we're talking about, you know, quite a few years out. So this isn't something that's happening next, you know, months or so, but. Uh, Jennifer says, uh, very good to see all these, all the threads with your videos. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, thank you for joining and hanging out here.
uh, Neovi says, I trust Ilya over Sam. I think I actually encourage everyone or anyone who has the time and capacity to watch as many um, Ilya videos and as many Sam Altman videos as you can. I've watched a lot myself and you can understand their ideas and their approaches um, and really kind of understand the nuances that most people are not getting. But yeah, definitely, um, I think, uh, yeah, dive in into all of that. Uh, Ron Massa says, any thoughts of George Hotz's um, AI hardware startup? I don't think my, my thoughts have changed much. I just think that, um, yeah, I mean, there you need a flywheel, right? Where the flywheel is you need to, to get enough usage out of a product or investment initially to build a, as a capable model that creates a value that creates more usage when people buy it and you use that money to build a bigger model with more data to increase its performance people buy it more make more money etc and you have this flywheel where you're able to create models where you're spending billions of dollars to train the model and it's you know super awesome a capable model. That's the challenge behind comma.ai, George Hotz's um, business is they're needing to create this flywheel. Now, they don't have a flywheel right now that's able to create billions of dollars of, of profit and pour that in to research or compute power to train the next model, right? To create more billions of dollars. That's where they hope to get, right? That's the idea and the theory, right? The hypothesis that they're aiming for, which could be possible. Um, if they push the envelope and keep doing, but they need to accelerate, they need to have that adoption to create that or billions of dollars in investment, right? Um, but you need that input into creating better and bigger models. Um, yeah, at, at the size of model that they're doing right now, like it, it just isn't isn't anywhere close to to real autonomous driving, right? I don't even think that that's what they're claiming to do per se. Um, but it's going to be a while, and that's the question mark. Can comma.ai create that flywheel of usage, right, purchase going into more profit to feed into bigger models? Unless you're spending billions of dollars in compute power to train these real-world AI foundation models, you don't really have a chance with autonomous driving. Like you need, you need, you need huge models. It's like here's an example. Like let's say, um, like. You, your brain has a bunch of neurons that go on and off and like you're able to see things and understand the world because your neurons are going on and off and those are messaging that's it's it's understanding right the world now if you only have let's say hypothetically 100 neurons it's it's going to be extremely difficult for you to understand much about the the world now if you have like 10 trillion neurons going off and they're all like you know, giving information, you're going to have a pretty decent chance to understand the world. In, in a similar way, the size of the model matter, matters a lot. And um, even though you might not be the most disciplined, most efficient, might not have the best techniques, if you have the, a large enough model with enough parameters and enough data into that model, you're going to come out with some impre pretty impressive right things. If you don't have that, it's not going to be impressive. It's going to be pretty lame. And I think that's the reality with, with autonomous driving is you need the size of the model and the data to even have a chance. Um, so anyways, uh, Tesla is going after it. Um, I think that the first company that actually has committed to some real big numbers in terms of the data and the compute that they're gonna use to train. It's like, that's why they're shooting for 100 exaflops by the end of next year. Um, they're serious about it my question is that yeah can comma that ai have a 
do they have a timeline of how many exafops of CompuPower that they're bringing online over the next two to three years, right? Do we, I, yeah, like where is that? Um, I'm not saying that they, they don't have a chance. I'm just saying that um, it's going to be a while before they 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 get there. If you know, like they need to get they need to boost up their their game in terms of um, how much CompuPower and the size of their neural nets, right? That they're training. AI will be goal-driven with very fast cycle times. I hope we humans can keep up with the speed and complexity. Yeah, it's a good thought, actually. Uh, George Hotz has a lot of scarcity at common AI, that AI, they're not fat and lazy, they have to be really innovative. Yeah, I agree. Uh, a, a lean organization, lean company, a uh, lot of uh, capable people. Um, will AGI help us buy things during Black Friday? Well, yeah, eventually it's like AI, AGI will be able to, or ASI, or artificial super intelligence, right? I mean, we're talking about, you know, intelligence that could create robots, that create machines, that create products, that create economies, that create nations or cities or just different places. Um, yeah, imagination is uh, the limit in a sense. Question, when do you think the Roadster 2022 will come out or 2020 will come out? Personally, I mean, this is kind of a, uh, maybe not the greatest take, but I just, don't think the Roadster adds a ton to Tesla's mission. I understand like it's a kind of a trophy car, you know, this fast car, et cetera. But anytime you come up with a new product, there's a lot of engineering, validation, testing. There's like service afterwards, recalls, all this stuff. It's a monster of a complex beast to create a, a new line, new car, new product, et cetera. I don't know if it's worth it. I mean, I'd rather them come up with something else, a Tesla van. I'd rather them do an RV rather than a Tesla Roadster, right? What's the point of a Roadster? I mean, it's fast, it's great, but and it's a trophy car. Yeah, it advances the brand in some ways, but I don't know. Um, one idea is I wouldn't mind them coming up with like, come up with 200 uh, Roadsters, but not to sell. Like give the, the referral prize winners like their Roadsters, right? And I don't know, somehow give some, I don't know, do something with others and call it a day. Don't sell them, just give them out and don't service them in a, I mean, you might have to service them, but don't promise the service. Like, once you make it a real product from your company, then it just gets more complex. I don't know if, if Tesla needs it, but then again, they've said that they'll, they'll do it. So Tesla probably will do it. I just don't think it's a huge priority in terms of timeline. And plus, yeah, there's a lot of, especially with FSD and with humanoid robot, You've got the next gen car, you've got probably a Tesla van, you've got so many, you have Cybertruck ramping, you got so many things on their plate. Um, Tesla energy. Um, yeah, the less complex uh, things are, the better, right? You have uh, to focus. Yeah, a booty, MacArthur says, agree, Dave, spirit, emotion, soul. We can think of it as an intuition, gut feeling, can thinking machine display. Yeah, so there's this thing where I think we're going to have a dichotomy of beliefs here. You're going to have a lot of people who, who think that AI can do everything a human can do, even emotionally, 
and intuitively, there's going to be people who take this other side who think that no humans have unique qualities that AI will never be able to replicate. Um, there's going to be a dichotomy of beliefs. This is going to be a big uh, contentious battle in some ways and a battle of values in, in a lot of ways. And this will affect how you view AI and, you know, uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, question, do you think Elon's AGI will colonize Mars before humans? I think it's going to be, well, yeah, I mean, what, if there truly is artificial superintelligence, then um, yeah, I, I, if you roll with that, <laughs> that thought process, then it could do a lot, right? Um, um, but assuming we don't have a, a artificial superintelligence, um, yeah, I think a lot can be done with AI, AGI, with Mars, right? You send human or robots. Imagine sending a thousand, you know, optimist robots on a mission and letting them do stuff on Mars first. Make it 10,000, 100,000 robots, right? Um, um, they could do a lot um, on Mars. And, and then bring the humans, of course. Um, if all the existing cars on the road are Tesla's data advantage, what is the data advantage for Tesla bot? So, so data, I think, is going to play uh, different roles in the future. Up until this point, data has been like this crucial thing to feed into neural nets. Um, I think over time, like data is important, but you need the right type of data, the right quality of data. And at a certain point, you can also create data once the neural nets reach a, reach a certain performance level, like it's it could be used to create a lot of parts that the model needs to improve. Like for example, to go from a hundred billion parameters to a trillion parameters to ten trillion parameters, or even to choose the right parameters. Maybe we don't even even need that many parameters. You just need better parameters. Like AI can be used to 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 hone in and pick the right parameters and hone in and pick the right type of data that would be most beneficial. So, or create certain data that can be beneficial. So it's not necessarily like going forward, once the models reach a certain level, like the role of data slightly shifts and, and morphs into different roles. Up until this point, up until a certain level of, of performance, yeah, it's like large amount of data and good quality is, was the driving factor and plus compute, but it's changing. So uh, going forward, like with a human robot, the thing is, what what Tesla is doing is is they're creating what they're calling a, a real world AI foundation model. What that means is, it's a model where different models can be put, can be basically, or different use cases can be put on top of it, can be fine tuned to do different things. But the the real world foundation model is basically a way to understand the whole physical world. And so, to give you an example, kind of like um, the Matrix, like the movie, like like imagine like you're just like you see the whole, let's say you're a computer and you have eyes and you just see the whole world and you're able to pick up like every eye, every at every molecule in terms of like every physical object, where it is, what it is, if it's moving in what direction and what velocity, everything move and how everything is happening. And you're able to understand your role in that environment, but also the other things and the roles in that environment. Um, that's kind of the real world foundation model, meaning it's a neural net to process the physical world in a way where it completely understands basically almost everything, even better than a human can, and how to interact with that with that world. With that foundation model, 
Tesla is able to use that now for FSD and use that for hu the humanoid robot. Right? The humanoid robot, you now you fine tune that model where the humanoid robot is able to understand the world. It just is, it needs to fine tune to understand how to do certain like tasks within that real world model, right? And through those tasks, like you could train the humanoid robot in various ways. Like you could do it through simulation. You could, the humanoid robot can watch some video of someone doing something and can copy that. Right, and then do it and then learn from trial and error and get better and better a million times and, and it's fixed or, or even faster than that right because it'll it'll it'll, it'll learn quickly um so um yeah once you have this real world foundation model um it can be applied both to fsd and to bot so you won't need the type of data that fsd needs on the road right as a so-called data advantage you'll need different types of data for the humanoid robot to to get tasks and stuff but it's borrowing a lot from that foundation model now the data has been helpful to build that foundation model right from fsd the amount of data the types of data all this stuff um, but over time it'll get simpler easier in, in a sense to um to get the similar level of capacity quicker but the the idea with tesla they're pushing the envelope they're wanting their model to get better and better and better so they'll use more data better data etc the model will create its own data you know, simulate its own data, all this sorts of stuff. So yeah, going forward, yeah. And once you have also the Tesla bot more in numbers too, that data will be fed back into the system to improve like, the Tesla bot and all the capacities as well. And so there will be an advantage of having more you know, Tesla bots as well in the future. All right, guys, um, it's been fun hanging out with y'all here on Sunday afternoon. It's almost an hour and a half into this live stream. Sometimes like these live streams go by so fast and so quick. I feel like I can go on for like three or four hours answering questions and just chatting. Um, anyways, uh, wish you guys uh, the best week ahead. I think it's Thanksgiving for those who celebrate. Uh, yeah, um, wish you guys the best and hope to talk to you guys again in a future live stream or video. Take care. We'll see you guys. Bye.